Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning. Some of you have asked me where the pastor is. I have no idea. (laughs) He is in a place called um, McLeod Heath Seacoast, which is a hospital. If you haven't known, he had a little appendix issue uh, this week uh, during his vacation. And so he got to spend some of his vacation uh, in a good place uh, getting some good care. And so we're thankful uh, for that. Um, I have heard from Shelly this morning. I just wanted to make you aware that she says that he is doing well. But, you know, sometimes when uh, they do laparoscopic surgery and they have to uh, put a lot of gas in you, sometimes you have to wait for your system, to all of your system to wake up. And so that's what his situation is, but he's doing really well. She says he's walking the halls and making friends and that the cleaning ladies love him. Um, happy that he's there. Also, we need to be praying for Matt, uh, as Matt was diagnosed with uh, COVID this week, but he's doing well, and uh, I have not talked to him this morning, but he was doing well yesterday, and so just continue to pray for them. And we'll talk about, at the end of this service, some other prayer requests that we have. But we are blessed because Joey... It just so happens that Joey the Giant was supposed to preach today anyway. It was scheduled for him to do that. So God knew, isn't it wonderful when you can see what God has known uh, long before you know it? Also, Myrtle Harmon has been celebrating birthday. She's, she's bowing her head because there were, all kind, there were all kind of pictures about her, and I am not... I told her I wouldn't get her to do this, but I'm just going to say this. She is a woman of diverse talent and abilities. And if you don't believe me, you can ask Tom, and he will tell you. (laughs) Because Tom's been with her a long, long time. Well, God is good. And all the time. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing together today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I bear not trust the sweetest frame, but holy need the Lord Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand, all of the ground is Sinking sand, his hope is covered, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, even is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Before the throne, on Christ the 
standing for the reading of the word of God. Brother Ron, if you would come and lead us. We're going to be reading from Matthew, the ninth chapter, 35th through the 38th verse. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, 
because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. I'm doing this so I can see if I can hear, I can hear myself now. Can you hear me? No, it's so good to see everybody. I'm starting to hear myself. Let me see if I can help you out a little bit. Does that help? If not, I'm going to start hollering. Y'all don't want me to start doing that too much too early, but um, I'm so glad to be here today. I tell you, as a born-again believer, it's always good to be with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Always. I know a lot of you are going through difficult times at this time, and many of you are going through sicknesses, and uh, Brother Dale, God bless him, you don't think preachers ever get sick, amen? And then when they do, it sort of shocks you a little bit that they actually go to the hospital sometimes, but God is our great physician, and he is uh, Dale's great physician, and he's going to take care of him, and I'm looking forward to seeing him back sooner than later, right Scott? And so... Can you hear me now? Okay, good. All right, that's what I needed to see. Uh, our passage of Scripture today is a, uh, it's a passage of Scripture that stings. It stings me. It's been stinging me all week as I've been looking at this. Uh, and, but before we actually jump into our, our passage, I want us to think about our vision statement I want us to look at the cross here, and, and that always amazes me. This is one of the most attractive things about Poplar Springs Baptist Church, and I'm just going to be honest with you. As a minister myself, this was very attractive to me, and, 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 and so if you notice our vision statement, it starts with the cross. Notice that? That means to me that to be a part of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, that each member must come and face that cross and understand what that cross is all about. Basically what that tells me is that you must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you must have been cleansed by the blood that was shed on that cross to be a member of Poplar Springs Baptist Church. To be a member, you must, first of all, have an encounter with Almighty God. Amen? This is not just a social club. This is not a social club, is it? It's a church. It's the body of Christ. And because it's the body of Christ, you must come through the blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that it's by His act and not ours that we're saved today. It is by the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us all of our unrighteousness. It's, it, our, our salvation doesn't depend on how smart you are, or how wealthy you are, or how talented you are. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ that we all come to the saving grace and we become part of the body of Christ and we can come in and serve God and connect upward with Him. You cannot connect upward with God without coming through the blood of Jesus Christ. Say amen. I don't care how good you are, how talented you think you are, or how smart you think you are. 
It is through the blood of Jesus Christ that we connect with God. And because we connect upward with Him, that encourages us to come together connect with each other. That's what we're doing here today. We're connecting with each other. We need each other. I used to think we didn't. I used to think I could be a long ranger Christian. And I realized there were no silver bullets when it comes to being a Christian. You cannot be a long ranger Christian. I need you. I think you need us. We need each other. Right now, Brother Dale is in, in Charleston right now, and I bet you you prayed for him, haven't you? That's the body of Christ. Matt, God bless him. He's the youngest of the staff members. He should never get sick, amen? You know he's going to hear about this, right? I know someone's going to talk to him about it. After he gets well, of course. We'll wait till he gets better. And I, but he, he's going, he, he, he may be watching right now, who knows? But we're praying for Matt right now, amen? Why? Because we're part of the body of Christ. We have a prayer list on Wednesday night that we gather together and we lift at the people. And folks, that's the body of Christ coming together. You've met today in Sunday school. Why did you meet in Sunday school? Because iron sharpens iron. And as you study the Word of God together, you hear people's perspectives from different viewpoints. And, but you, but you, it's centered around the Word of God. And because of that, we connect inward. But that makes us automatically. And let me tell you, this is an equation. And I love how it's displayed up here. You come through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you connect upward with God. But as you connect upward with God, you connect inward with each other. But that automatically forces you out into this world. And that's what Jesus just told His disciples. Is that I didn't save you for you to sit on the pew. And take it all in without it flowing out. Folks, we are not the Dead Sea, amen? Y'all know what the Dead Sea is, don't you? The Dead Sea just takes it all in. And it, and it kills it. <laughs> uh, my brother, uh, some of y'all met him last night at Myrtle's birthday party. He's a big boy. And he went, uh, he went out to the Holy Land with my parents one time. And he couldn't... That, that water kept him buoyant. He, he told me, he came back, that he says, I couldn't drown there if I wanted to. He says, and he's a big boy, a big man. Let's call him a man. He's a big man. But that water, is, it dies when it gets there because a, a living, live Christian is one who accepts the grace and the, and, and the salvation that God gives us, but we want to pass it on to somebody else. We want to share it with somebody else. Folks, if you had the cure for, for cancer, would you keep it to yourself? Folks, you've got something more precious than the cure of cancer. You've got the cure for sin. You have the cure for, for death. And it's through Jesus Christ. Why would you hold that to yourself and not share it with somebody else? As we read in this passage today... We notice that Jesus is he's going about. He's not in a church. He's not in a synagogue. He's out ministering out and about. 
It says here that he, in verse 35 that he went about to all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness. But folks, he did that out in the world. As a chaplain, I've learned that it's a powerful thing to take the gospel message out into this world. People look at you a little differently sometimes, but I'll take that. I don't mind that anymore. I've gotten sort of used to it, and that scares me just a little bit. That I've gotten used to people looking at me like, who are you? Well, whenever they start asking me who am I, I start telling them who Jesus is. Because that's the only reason I'm there. And that's, what, that's, our, that's our motivation. But he goes, he goes around and he does all these miracles. But I want you to notice what happens in verse 36. It says, but when he saw the multitude. Stop right there. He saw the multitude. He saw people. And, and he had compassion. It goes on in here and it says, He saw the multitude and he was moved with compassion. Some may say that he, that he saw that he had pity on the harvest, which we're going to get to you in here in just a second. It is important that we see the multitudes. We're so busy nowadays, aren't we? Go down to 85, you take your life in your own hands, amen? You better be prayed up when you hit those highways. You know why? Because people are going somewhere. And you know what they think? You're in the way. I know how a lot of people think because I have to confess, I have those feelings sometimes myself. But it's important that we actually see people. The people that you work with. Your family members. Do you ever look at them and have compassion for them? It says here that Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. And that word compassion means he was cut to his gut. He was cut to his gut, to his innermost being for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. A lot of people try to present themselves of of having it all together. But I'm here today to tell you that most of us don't have it all together. If you ever talk to them, and I'm amazed as I talk to, uh, I mainly deal with men, and men are a little bit slower than women when it comes to this, but um, this past week I've been talking to a guy for, for about a year now, and he, he lives over here in Roebuck, but he works over here in Greenville, <laughs> and we've, talk, we've talked about everything. He, uh, he likes four-wheelers, and that's one thing he did on vacation. Him and his family just got four-wheelers, and they went up to Virginia, some up in the northern part of Virginia, and they rode all through country and stuff like that. I, I could do that for maybe a few hours, and I'd be sick of it by then and want to go home, but he did it for a whole week. And he was taught, we chit-chat and all this kind of stuff, and this week he finally broke. And he just began to pour out some of the things that were taking place in his life. Before then, it looked like everything was good. We can pretend really good, amen? I call it the clown effect. You know the clown effect? We paint this picture of it, having it all together. But inside, we're all tore up. And I've come to realize when I deal with people that a lot of people who seem to have it all together really don't. They're scattered. 
They're like sheep without a shepherd. Folks, we have a shepherd. And his name is Jesus Christ. And we need to ask God to open our eyes and not see the person, but see their needs. I, I sort of referenced my um, driving. Um, that's where the Satan really deals with me about my driving. And I had to come to the realization. I wrote this on a card similar to this. I like, I like index cards. And I wrote on this index card, they are not the enemy. Do you know who I was talking about? Anybody that was in my way on the highway. They are not my enemy. They may be going slow just because they're trying to keep the speed limit. They still believe in the speed limit. I need to respect that, amen? I should. God's still working on me. But they may be having a bad day. Now, it does get on my nerves when I catch up with them and they're on their cell phone or eating a sandwich or something like that and they almost run me off the road. That's a whole other story. I really began to start praying for them then. But we need, to, we need to ask God, seriously speaking, to help us to slow down and quit looking at ourselves. Folks, we have a terminology that is a very still a new terminology called a selfie. Y'all know what a selfie is? And this is, to me, sad. <laughs> we have to take a picture of yourself. Okay? Do y'all remember when other people had to take pictures of you? They thought you were important enough to, so they'd take a picture of you? Okay? Well, we don't go by that anymore, do we? Have you ever seen people, you know, this kind of thing going on? Does it not look ridiculous? I'm not going to ask how many do it. And it's okay. There's nothing really bad about it, but it's selfie. Look at the word. It's, it almost runs right into selfish. Amen? You think mildly highly of yourself when you have to take pictures of yourself. Click, click, click. And you have to take a hundred of them to get the right one. Amen? Uh, uh, I'm not, I'm going to stay off that now. I'm going to pull back, okay? Some of y'all are really giving me mean looks, okay? And so I'm going to pull back from that. But I'm encouraging you to take pictures of other people. To quit looking at yourself so much and start looking at those that are in need. You think you're having a bad day? I promise you you're crossing people that are having it worse than you are. And you, even though you might be at the lowest point you've ever been, God is still telling you, pray for this person. Pray for that person. Will you pray with me today? God, open my eyes and help me see the multitude. Help me see the people in my life that I need to minister to. That I need to share Jesus with. Will you pray that with me today? That you will say, Lord, please open my eyes. Help me not to be so selfish with my time. And help me see the needs of others. The second thing we notice, he said, he said, he saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. Folks, what's fascinating about this was that his compassion moved him to see 
the, 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 the harvest, the people, and notice what he says about this. He goes on to say, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. He saw that they were in need. He saw they were like sheep without a shepherd. He said they're wandering and weary and scattered. But that's not what he concentrated himself on. He looked at them and he saw their potential. And he says there were many. It's plentiful. Sometimes we need to get a new perspective on not where they're at, but where they're going to be. Have you ever thought about a person that was riding you pretty hard? Maybe it's a boss, a co-worker, or a family member. And you, you almost say, what would happen if Jesus got in their lives and started doing a transformation in their lives like he did in my life? Wouldn't that be amazing? Have you ever started praying for that person that just hounded you all the time? That's giving you a rough time at work or rough time at play? And instead of complaining about it, you prayed about it. We like to complain, amen? How many of you ever, don't raise your hand. How many of you ever complained before? I think we're batting a thousand, amen? We love, some of us, we've made it, a, uh, we've made it, we, we got a PhD in that, amen? We can complain with the best of them. What I've noticed about people that, um, People really don't like hearing me complain. Have y'all noticed that too? I've noticed when I start complaining around somebody, they sort of like close up. They try to act like they care. I mean, they slipped up and said, how you doing? That was their first mistake. You know? And then you begin to tell them, they say, oh no, I wish I wouldn't have. They even forgot they asked the question. But you know what? We need to be those that are not complainers, but we're those that have the answer. And it comes through prayer. Folks, prayer is a powerful thing. And I, don't, I, I hope you don't take that for granted, that you, that you don't get on your knees on a daily basis. But we need your prayers. Brothers and sisters of Christ need your prayers, but the lost need your prayer. Those who are not born again believers. Did you know that you can begin to pray for somebody who's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? And, 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 and look at where they're at, but also look to see where God has taken them. And don't think it's a mistake that God is the one who's orchestrating all of this. God is the one who saves us, Amen. If God is the one who saves us, He is the one who empowers us. He's the one who's sending us out into this world. But are you seeing and listening to where God is moving you? Here's a statement. It's not all about you. It is all about God, though. And that's one thing I had to, I had to learn on a, on a regular basis. Sometimes we want to put ourselves up here, but it's really God who needs to be placed there. And we need to ask God to open up our eyes to see the potential of those that are around us. Instead of complaining about where they're at, pray that God will work in their lives in such a way that it will change their lives and and salvation may come into them and that they can be a positive influence in your life. The third thing I want you to notice 
that Jesus also saw problems in the harvest. Notice what he says. Now notice he's speaking to his disciples here. He says, the harvest truly is plentiful. That means there's a lot of them. There's a lot of people out there that need Jesus. Do I need to tell you all that? Do I need to tell you that there are a lot of people out in the world today that are lost, and if they died today, they would spend eternity in hell? That at this very moment, there's people at your job place that if they took their last breath, I'll tell you this. Uh, this rocked me a few weeks, just last week. I've been dealing with a gentleman uh, at one of my uh, companies I work with. He's from Georgia. He knew I was a Clemson fan. I don't hide that very well. And in his office, he had this little bulldog, little stuffed bulldog, Georgia bulldog. And he told me, don't ever come to my office because that dog will bite you. Okay? But he's, he came, he, he, he came in, uh, to this company probably about two months ago. And I, we naturally just hit it off. And we really had, and I began to work, and he began to open it with me. And then, lo and behold, the next thing I hear, I can't tell you his name, but he fed, they say he collapsed out in the parking lot. He had a heart attack. I called him um, that day, and, and he was at the hospital, and he said, I don't know why they're keeping me. He says, I, I, I'm ready to get back to work. I said, really? I said, I'm hearing you had a heart attack. He says, that's what they say, but I don't, I feel good. And so they, they let him out of the hospital sometime after that. They kept him a few days. They, uh, he got to stay home for about two weeks. He came back to work, came back to work, and at about the same spot he had that heart attack, he died of another heart attack. Problem with that is there's many. One is that he's younger than I am. And that hit me hard. That, but he was also a friend. And I thought, I thought me and this guy was going to have a good football season together. Clemson plays Georgia right off the bat. And I was so looking forward to enjoying that with him. You know, we, we were mature enough that we could handle whoever lost. You know, and I was so looking forward. But God decided to take him. I'm here to tell you that God doesn't set his timetable by your timetable. And if God is telling you to go, you need to go. If there's a neighbor that he's been telling you to go talk to, you need to go to that neighbor. If it's a co-worker, you need to go to that co-worker. But we're, don't think that that person is going to be here forever because death is a reality. But it says here the problem that we have is that the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful. Now, think about that just for a second. How many of you like Harvest Fest? I enjoyed Harvest. You know why I love Harvest? Because I love to eat. I love good vegetables. You know, Harvest. Harvest is an awesome time, amen? We, we, have, we, y'all, we celebrate it here. We'll, we'll, have, we'll, we'll have games and stuff like that, pumpkins and hay rides and all this kind of stuff to celebrate what? The harvest. 
What is God saying? The harvest is plentiful. There's, it's out there. But the workers are few. What that means is to me is that God is working on people. God is working on people out in this world. And His Holy Spirit is going out out there and He's working on them. And God God is not the problem here. The harvest is not the problem. The problem is the workers. One of the problems with um, being a laborer is that you have to work. It takes a lot of work to share the gospel. A lot of y'all know that, amen? How many of you have been praying for somebody for over 20 years? Been witnessing them plant seed, hoping that they will come to saving grace. But knowing that you can't save them, they must accept what God's, God's already done and He's working on their lives because He's sending you. But a lot of us are staying home. This COVID thing has made us want to stay home, amen? We watch the news and we hear all this disturbing news that has taken place around the world. And you know what that makes us want to do? Hide. Stay at home. Not get out. I bet Satan is smiling today, amen? Because he's going to say, y'all need to, you might get COVID, you might get this. And and we need to take the precautionary things that we need to. But don't allow anything to hold you back from being obedient to God. If you're hiding in your home, it's time for you to wake up. It's time for you to take a step of faith and go where God is sending you. I can't tell you where to go, but I know one thing, God will. And I hope... That you will open your eyes to the problem. And the problem might be you. It might be you not going. I want you to flip over to Matthew 28. Jesus says this in Matthew 28 verse 18. He says, Jesus came and spoke to them. And he's speaking to followers of Christ. He's about to be taken up into heaven. Uh, These are some of his last words. And he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Notice what he says. One little word, go. Christians are going people. I wish he'd say, stay home and enjoy your lazy boy watching whatever you want to on television. Or working in your garden. or, Or just enjoying me time. That's not what he says here. He says, go, and what else does he says? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. Folks, Christians are going people. Some of us don't like that. That's not my personality. I'm not an extrovert. I like to keep things close to my chest. And I don't like talking to strangers. And and I'll be honest with you. Most people don't like talking to strangers. But I don't think that's what God is telling us to do. God's sending you somewhere. And He wants you to be obedient. 
But wherever he sends you, you have to go tell what God has done for you. How many of you, if you've, since you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm talking to Christians right now, don't you have a personal testimony? The answer is yes. You have a story. You have a story of how God has impacted your life. Your story is different than anybody else's story. Okay? I was saved at the early age of six years old. I don't know how much trouble you can get in between um, birth and six, but I, I, I might have pushed the limit there, but not as much as somebody that lived to be 50 and got saved. I sense they might have gotten a lot more trouble than me at six. But I'm still as much saved at six as the person that got saved at 50. I really don't deal a lot with my past before I encountered God in my salvation story. I talk about what God's done for me after he saved me. And that's where you really need to stay. You need to tell your story, tell it concisely. Don't, don't get up there and give a 15-minute speech, but three minutes at the most. Be able to tell somebody how God has changed your life. Has He? If He hasn't, then, then you need salvation. You've lied to yourself. If you don't have a story, folks, people who are Christian has a story. Say Amen. You have a story. You know when God impacted your life. You know when God saved you. You know when He changed you. Because it's all about Him. It's nothing about us except for our acceptance of it. But He changes us. And He doesn't leave us alone. I say that sort of out of frustration sometimes. Sometimes I say, Lord, let me sleep. Just let me, let me. <laughs> but He gets on me sometimes and... He won't leave me alone, and sometimes I know I'm doing wrong, and I like it. I know none of y'all feel that way. But he jumps on me, and he starts working on me through the Holy Spirit, and he begins to do what? Change me, and that's my story. I'm, he is changing me, and he's constantly changing me, and he's constantly doing that. And that's what I tell people. I said, God is not done with me yet. I wish I could stand here and say I was perfect. I used to think I was. I was lying to myself then, and I'm telling you the truth now. I am not perfect, but God has still forgiven me. God is still working on me, and He can work on you. And there's something beautiful about having a personal relationship with God where that peace and assurance that when you have a right relationship with Him, that when you go through troubled times, it doesn't... Even though everything else is spinning, there's a peace that passes all understanding. I've experienced it. I've experienced it in the last five years a lot. And guess what? God is real. Because I've experienced Him. Some people say, you can't count on your experience. I say, I can. Because I experienced Him. Now, you can take my word or you don't have to take my word, but I know one thing. God is real. And He's changing me. We need to be able to 
know that the, uh, pray that God would work on this problem, especially at Poplar Springs Baptist Church, that those who are not working or not laboring for the, the, the gospel's sake will realize that they need to be a part of the team. That you need to pray that God will open your eyes and give you compassion for those who are lost. The last thing we see here is this. See the prayer. Notice how he ends this. He says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. First thing he tells you to do is pray. Why do you think he does that? I'm going to tell you why. Because what he's sending you to do is impossible for you to do. Isn't that crazy? God sends you out to do something that you can't do. (laughs) Is that inspiring? (laughs) Is it a little scary? Let me tell you, I think I've told you all this before. Uh, The church I was at... They used to, when I grew up, uh, my dad was pastor of a church called Eastside Baptist Church. And I used to go on visitation with them. And my dad put me with a guy named Walford Lawson. And Walford Lawson, God bless him, he drove slow. Real slow. And y'all already tell I don't really drive slow. So I was a teenage, upper teenage guy, and I was sitting there watching Walford. And, and uh, I'd go, and I, he would witness, and I would pray for him as he witnessed. Well, one day, he looked at me and he says, it's your turn. I looked at him and I said, what? He said, yes. He says, today's your time. You're going to share the gospel today. I realized Walford wasn't driving slow enough. I began to pray. And I'm just going to be honest with you. This is what I prayed. Lord, I hope they're not home tonight. Lord, if it's, if, if it's in your will, may they not be home tonight. If they're home, may they not come to the door. That was my prayer. Is that a very spiritual prayer? Probably not. But I'm just being real with you. I wasn't real excited about I was shy. But guess what? They were home. And now what do I do? I've been trained. Okay? My church did train me. So I began to open my mouth. And God took over. Took a stuttering, uh, 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 kind of guy like me and began to speak to this person. I can't remember if they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but one thing I left knowing this, I serve a mighty God. I serve a God that can use somebody like me to share the gospel. And He can use you too. If you've never shared the gospel with somebody, do so soon. The laborers are few. But pray. Pray. Pray that God would give you the words to say. Pray that He'll open your eyes to see the multitude. But also pray to see their need. Most of us don't ever see the needs of others. But God will help you to do that. There's a few ways I want to encourage you to do that today. And these are some ways that um, 
And, and this all begins with prayer. First of all, pray that God will open your eyes. Pray for the laborers. Pray for Brother Dale, Brother Scott, Brother Matt, Brother Chris. Pray for these men who are uh, our ministers who are laboring full time in the ministry. I, I use that word full time sort of um, flimsy here because I think we're all full time men. There's no time you put down your Christianity. And I encourage you to always be prepared to have an answer for the gospel when you have a chance to speak. Pray for yourself. I want you to notice something in our passage of Scripture today because if you notice here, it says here in this verse that they're talking to the disciples. Then in verse, uh, Chuck Swindoll says they put this number 10 at the wrong place. Uh, Chapter 10, that chapter 9 should have continued. But drop down to verse 5. Verse 5 says, These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them. The same people that he asked to pray, he sent out. Do you see the combination there? Do you see the plan? That if God's got you praying for somebody, he's probably going to have you talk to that person. Okay? That might scare you to no end, and that's good. Because I'm right with you. I understand that. God can take you. And let me tell you, if he can use me, I know he can use you. Amen? Learn to pray. Learn to make this a part of your lifestyle. Pray for them. You may think that what you do doesn't matter, but it does matter. You matter in the kingdom of God. Each one of you. Do you know the price that God paid for you? He sent His only Son to die on the cross for you. And now He wants you. You're on the first team. You're out on the field. And he wants you to go take the gospel to those around you. There's a story I love to tell. And the story is about this old man who liked to walk on the beach. Uh, I like walking on the beach. I, I used to like running on the beach until I got older. Now I just like walking on the beach. Amen. I like taking my shoes off and just letting the sand squish in my toes and letting the water wash up against it and stuff like that. And he did this every morning just to clear his head before work. And um, he just enjoyed it and probably had a moment with God because that's what I do when I go to the beach. Uh, get up there early and watch the sunrise and, and watch us, um, you see God's creation wake up. And it's just a beautiful thing. And he did it every day. He lived on the beach and enjoyed it. But one morning there was a storm that happened the night before. And he noticed all these starfish out there on the beach. And he knew, he said, man, there's a lot of them out here today. And he knew they were all going to die, but he was busy in his own thoughts and stuff like that. Till he looked up and in front of him, there's this little boy. This little boy would walk a little bit and he'd pick up a starfish and he'd do this. Just throw them out in the ocean. And he, gradually they got closer and closer together and... The old man finally stopped the little boy and said, Boy, what are, what are you doing? He says, he says you, you know you, you, there's a, a, a miles and miles of these starfish, and this, our beaches are just full of them. You're really wasting your time doing this. And he says, Sir, he says, he says if I don't do this, then they're going to dry up and die. He says, But son, 
He says, you're not going to make a difference. There's too many. The boy just quit and he just reached down, picked up one, and threw it as far as he could. He looked back to the old man and says, sir, I made a difference in this one. We're not here to save the world. We're here to save each pe- We're here to save the people. Amen. Don't allow the big picture to destroy your purpose and your vision and your ministry. If God is calling you to somebody, go and make a difference in that person's life. Today we're going to have a. Um, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes at this time, and we're just going to pray together. And I won't guide you through this prayer. Would you, would you allow me to do that? First thing I want you to do is I want you to go to the Heavenly Father and thank Him for saving you. Just thank Him right now. Say, Lord, thank You, Father, for saving me. Thank You, Father, for forgiving me of my sins. And thank You for sending Your Son to, so that I could have eternal life. Next thing I want you to do I want you to ask God to open your eyes to see the needs of those around you. Will you pray that? Will you say, Lord, help me to not just be so selfish in my my life, but help me to see others and their needs. Now I want you to do this. I want you to pray for that one person, maybe just one right now, that God might be sending you to. Is there somebody in your life right now that you know that is going through a difficult time? Say, Lord, open my eyes to that. Next thing I want you to do is say, Lord, open my eyes to the potential of what would happen if I go and share the good news. Then I want you to ask, Lord, help me to see the problems that we have. Am I the problem? Am I not going? If you're a born-again believer and you're not going, then you're sinning against God. Because God has given us a command to go and make disciples. You may need to confess to Him right now, Lord, I've fallen short here, but I know you're a forgiving God. and Lord, I ask for forgiveness. Help me to go. Father, we pray this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Knowing, Father, that you're the one who is sending us. You're the one who needs to open our eyes. To give us compassion for those who are without you. Help us see the great potential, Father, that the harvest has. That the people around us has if they had placed their faith and trust in you. Knowing that you said that you'd go before us, that you'd go with us, we accept that, Father, by faith. But Lord, I pray that you'll help each one of us to be the laborers that you're looking for. So Lord, now I pray for those who are laboring for you. I pray for our missionaries, Father, that we support with our giving here at Poplar Springs Baptist Church. I pray for a church in Goose Creek in Goose Creek at this time, Lord, that we are financially supporting and we support with our, 
actions also. And Father, we pray for the churches in Utah where we have missionaries. Missionaries sent out by Poplar Springs Baptist Church. And our Lord, we pray for them at this time as they're about preparing to leave later in July. And Lord, we pray for this church, Father, that we're about to enter First Baptist Church. That we are working as a partnership with them. Lord, as their pastor comes next week to preach to us, we pray for this church and pray, Father, that, Lord, that they will be a bright light in that community of sharing the gospel. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, that we can pray for the laborers because we're a laborer ourselves. And, Father, we accept this by faith, understanding that you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I got it. This is me being obedient. I'd like to offer salvation to you today. If you've never, if you come to realize I don't have a story, I don't have a story to tell. I'd like to introduce you to Jesus Christ today. I'll be back back there in the hallway. We can go somewhere private or something like that, so we can talk. But let me tell you this, if you've never accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, don't waste any more time. You don't know when God is going to call you. So today is the day of salvation. I encourage you to do that. I want to ask Scott to come and lead us in a time of force.
thank you for being here. I need to tell you that as you leave today, that and as you're going out the doors, there's a couple black boxes on the wall there to put your offering into. And um, if you'd be so kind as to do that. And I want us to end in a different way. I know that we're a little bit past 12. But I believe that his name is glorious and victorious. And I believe he calls unto the deep and oceans tremble. And today I want us to be able to call on his name. And this is what I want to do. Many of you have heard this week by email. Of course, you know about our pastor. You know about, uh, and by the way, he's in Little River. Um, Don, I sent you a text. Uh, he's in Little River, South Carolina at uh, McLeod Heath uh, Medical Center there. So that's where he is. Uh, and you've heard of, about Matt, but you also got an email about Hillary Williams this week. who got a diagnosis that is not what any of us want to hear. But his name is Glorious, <laughs> his name Victorious. And if he can call into the deeps and make the oceans tremble, he can call into any illness. I believe that God can just speak a word and things can happen. Don't you? So my question are, are we people of the book? Are we people that believe? And I say we are. So here's what I want to do. Keith, I'm going to ask you to come. And Hillary, if y'all just come, um, just come here on the platform. And I want choir members, Carol, you come first. Choir members, come around them. And anybody else who wants to, I just want us to have a prayer uh, for her today. And that, you know, we're so um, confident that the doctors and Folks who are going to attend her are great. We know that they are um, people who are learned and understand. But we also know that God alone is the great physician. He alone um, will bring healing. So we're going to ask him to do things that we cannot imagine or think of on our own. Why don't you stand? If you want to come, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. But we're going to, we're going to pray together here this morning. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we have worshipped you today. We've, we've worshipped you because you alone are worthy of our praise and our worship. Lord, there is nothing that you do not know. There's nothing about us that you don't know. Lord, we've already heard today that when we know you, we have a story. Joey's told us that, and it's true. And Lord, Hillary has a story. And Lord, today, it could have probably been very easy just to stay at home and contemplate the situation. But she's here worshiping you. Lord, also, she's scheduled to go to Utah in a few days. Lord, I pray your will be done on that. But Lord, today, we just want to bring her up to you and lift her up to you. That you would bring healing to her body. That you will astound human reasoning. And those people who will be attending her, we're grateful for them. Lord, you do miraculous works through them. And, and Lord, we know that you'll continue to do that. But we're also confident that our God, who speaks into the deep and causes the oceans to tremble. Lord, you hold it all together. Our Bible tells us that. So we ask you to hold her and Keith together. Uh, physically, mentally, spiritually during these days. And that we who are here, would be what you would have us to be. That you would allow us to be 
your agents here. Lord, just as surely as you sent them out in the passage uh, in uh, chapter 10 that Joey referred to today, I pray that you will send us out here to be your agents in this situation, to pray without ceasing, to be concerned and yet confident that you alone will handle this situation. So God, we look forward to what you're going to do. We anticipate a big move on your part, and we ask for that. But Lord, we always want your will to be done, and I pray that you will show yourself mighty here. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for loving us, and we pray that as we go from this place, that we will continue to be in prayer for Hillary, for Keith, for that family, and for each other as we connect upward to you. That's what we're doing right now as we connect inward with each other, as we are here and have all morning, and as we go out to face a world that doesn't know you but needs to. Lord, thank you for your call on our lives. Thank you for giving us a story. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.